Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Researching the um, the institution of Galvin. <laughs> the institution, <laughs> great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you even be? another episode of excuse the mess it's been a few weeks and it's good to be back i'll be joined by my very good friend elliot galvin on paper known as a jazz pianist but what he does goes way beyond that and his influences are very far reaching beyond even music it was a really inspiring tangenty chat it's got a lot of interesting things to say about a lot of subjects and a lot of random interesting facts rattling around in his head that crop up from time to time if this is your first listen to this podcast, then hello, welcome. I'm Ben Corrigan, the host and creator of Excuse the Mess. This is a music podcast, and in each episode, I interview a different guest composer, musician, and talk to them all about their music, try and get under the surface a little bit. And then there's a, a B-side to each episode. We make a track together using an instrument that they've brought along. So Elliot brought along a toy piano, and you can find that episode next to this one on your podcast app. This is an Acast podcast. Very happy to be on their platform. So thanks Acast for hosting. And thanks to Arts Council England and PRS Foundation and Isotope Audio for supporting this podcast. Underneath you are hearing one of Elliot's tracks from his trio project, the Elliot Galvin Trio. It's called Bikini Island and you can hear those kind of messed up children's toy sounds going on and that's because Elliot quite recently actually, within the last few years, got really into both synthesizers and also circuit bending, hacking little electronic children's toys to use in his music. We talked a little bit about this but in order to keep this episode nice and slim, I've kept it out. just thought I'd highlight it here. Now, it might not be sounding like it to you, but this is a Christmas special episode. I've raced to get this ready in order for you to hear it when you're travelling home for Christmas. Although there is little to no Christmas content, Merry Christmas. And the last words from me before we get going. 
A uh, little health warning, there is a little bit of swearing in this episode and I'm very ashamed to say that I even dropped the C-bomb at one point, so please forgive me. Alright, shall we get going? This is episode 14 featuring Elliot Galvin. You're quite a normal guy, right? I'm quite a normal guy, yeah, I think so, yeah. So how come you make weird as <laughs> I make music? weird music, okay. <laughs> well, I don't think it's weird. Um, basically, I mean, a big part of it, I think, I've kind of told this story a couple of times, but it's probably the reason. So my mom sort of read this book when she was younger about, when I was younger, actually. She was younger as well, but <laughs> mainly me being young. About how you have to uh, make sure that you play kids before the age of seven. You have to play them dissonant music, otherwise their ears will be close to it and they'll never like appreciate it. And her brother was like a recording engineer with the BBC. Actually, he was the engineer on, um, you know, John Tavener the Whale, that like original. Yeah. yeah. So he was the engineer on that. Like he was like oh. really into that world of stuff. So she was into that world of stuff. So she played me loads of crazy stuff. And there's this story that I always get told that, like, when I was five years old, I, like, refused to go to bed because I was watching a Burt Whistle opera. <laughs> and I wanted to keep watching it. Um, so, yeah, she played me a lot of that stuff when I was younger. Uh, so I got a taste for it, I guess. Yeah. And I've kind of, I, you know, like, I was into, like, more out, like, weird, dissonant stuff, like, before I got into, like, functional, nice, pretty chords, definitely. That's like, really I had to learn to like that stuff. Yeah. Not the other way around. Don't know why. That's really interesting, mm. though. <laughs> and so you actually were quite happy to jump right in and absorb all of that stuff. I never really heard it as like dissonant and challenging and weird. I was always just like, oh, I really like the way this sounds. I guess because like I like listen a lot for texture in music. Yeah. So my default is to hear like the texture of mm. the music. And the texture in that stuff's really interesting. Varied and moves through like dense stuff and like more sparse stuff. And there's a lot to listen there for texture. So I always find it quite engaging. Like I kind of find that weird about... Like when people think that that's like really, that kind of music is really like alienating for people. Because mm. I'm like, well, there's more, if people knew, if you just sort of explained that I'll just listen to the textures and the stuff, there's kind of more to get involved with than if you were to listen to like some classic, you know, Bach or something like that. I don't know why. <laughs> why doesn't everyone yeah. like it? <laughs> I mean, that's a, a bit. perfectly valid point. It sounds like your brain was wired quite differently <laughs> early on. Or, yeah, the, the stuff that normally. You have to wrap your head around it yeah. at uni. For me, it was like at uni, that, yeah. that was when I was introduced to more dissonant things. Do you, I don't know, yeah. I just was always... Did it the other way around. Even with, like, jazz, like, one of the first... <laughs> one of the first things I got into was, like, Cecil Taylor and, like, his... Um, there's, like, an album of him doing, like, covers of Monk tunes, which is mental, basically. I listened to it again the other day. And I was like, this is really out, like, like what yeah. he does with these tunes. And I was just like, oh, that's jazz piano then. Really? I'll just do that. <laughs> and I'd do that with my friends and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, this is jazz piano, right? This is what we were all trying to play. <laughs> Stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took me ages to get into Like, I remember when I got to college and everyone was really into, like, Kenny Wheeler and stuff. And I was like, but that's, like, really, like, like pretty sounding chords. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? But now, like, I've learned I've learned to like it. Yeah. But, like, you know, totally the other way around for some reason. Yeah, very, very strange. But it's interesting. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Maybe that's why you are normal, but into what pe- most people would deem as the weirder, wackier stuff. I, I think that's it, though. It's like, you know, whatever you're told. I don't think anything is weird and anything is normal. It's like whatever yeah. you're told. Like, like society tells you that, like, this yeah, is weird. You won't like it. You know, and I just wasn't. I was told the other way around. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciated it that way around. 
what you were saying about to appreciate it as texture and sound. Mm. Is that the best way into your music for someone who hasn't had that wiring? Done? Yeah, or even has had the wiring. <laughs> I think like that's that's the main thing I think about. Like whenever I'm writing a piece of music or like trying to make music is like what's like the texture, what's the sound of this. For me as well, that's like a way of getting away from school knowledgey stuff. Because you can go down loads of blind alleys of like I want to do this really intelligent harmonic thing or like rhythmic thing, but if you just kind of like zoom out and just hear it as like texture and sound, yeah. then yeah, I think that that's a way of listening to it without having all that kind of, in a way it's kind of like prejudice, like, you know, learnt knowledge prejudice of like this note is superior to this note in this context, you know. Mm. So yeah, that's probably a good good way of listening to that because that's how I listen to my music. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. other people should as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I heard something recently that kind of programmed my brain in that sense. It was only a couple of weekends ago. It was the yeah. deep minimalism thing at the South Bank and oh, there was... Cool. Morton Feldman's Triadic Memories. Oh, wow, yeah. And Sick. it rarely gets performed because it's yeah. an hour and a half yeah. of very sparse, dissonant music. Yeah. And an hour and a half is like a marathon. You go through like all these different almost mental states listening yeah, to yeah, it. And sure, I came sure. out of it, I was like, well, that was hard work, but I would zone in and find the beauty and the interest. And since then, I've been to a few concerts and when something is challenging me in a certain yeah. way, I've, I don't know, I just feel a bit more plugged into how to sit back as you said, zoom out yeah. and, and observe it in a different way and, and just let it be. It was, it's weird that, that that piece was able to reprogram me in, yeah. in that sense because an hour and a half, it's a long time. Yeah. You could watch an Adam Sandler <clears throat> film in that time. An Adam Sandler film. That's the choice. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Sandler. Yeah. I love the early works of Sandler. Um, no, it's, uh, no I, I totally agree. And I think like, the problem is people come to, come to stuff like thinking that it's all, like music's trying to all achieve exactly the same thing. Like, why isn't this sounding like this piece of Mozart that all music would sound like, you know, mm. it's like coming to it on its own terms. Funny you should say that. There was something else I saw, which was a similar kind of like very long dissonant experience, yeah. which was great. So I'm doing a few solo piano concerts at the moment and I was playing in Berlin as part of the Berlin Jazz Festival. Actually, the Berlin Jazz Festival is like amazing. Here's a little plug. Yeah. <laughs> I'd highly recommend it. I'd even go so far as saying that it's, oh, do I say this? It's one of my favourite jazz festivals okay. in the world that I've done. The programming of it is like, insane it's like so brave it's ridiculous um so they have this thing where like every three years they get a different artistic curator director and they kind of have like free reign so the person there at the moment she's just like amazing and she just doesn't care doesn't really give a shit about like what people expect a jazz festival Mm -hmm, should have mm -hmm. to the extent that my like solo free improvised piano hour-long set at the festival was billed as like beginner and they, they were like if you've never listened to jazz before come to this wow yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and i was like whoa i'm the like mainstream <laughs> thing here um, so the headline of the festival this is the headline brilliant was a piece by anthony braxton you know legend of challenging contemporary dissonant jazz and he did a six hour piece for i think like 80 musicians in this like massive gallery there in the middle of Berlin which was like an installation so like the ensembles would like form and then disappear and go to different rooms of the gallery and you'd have to walk around and find them and that was the headline act rather than like Herbie Hancock's guitar tribute to Chameleon (laughs) it's literally like it is this like amazing work but yeah that's a similar thing like when you're kind of listening to that stuff for that amount of time you kind of get into that world and you kind of see when you have that visual element as well of like things like forming and disappearing and that really relates to like the texture of the music Mm. you can kind of understand it and that's the thing with with this stuff as well like music for me is like very visual that's how that, that kind of thinking and hearing music in like a really textural way like immediately relates it to kind of the visual aspect of like how you can hear music so yeah
Elliot has a new album coming out in January, live in Paris at Foundation Louis Vuitton. It's a solo piano, fully improvised set that he did May 2018. If you wanted to catch him doing a similar thing live, he's playing at King's Place in London on the 21st of February 2020. This improvisation is called Time and Everything. When you're there as the sole performer, yeah. and you have the sole performer, one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's my unique yeah, approach. Sole yeah. <laughs> music, yeah, that's you. Um, yeah. What's in your head whilst you're while I'm playing? Yeah, mm. uh, that's interesting because okay, so I, I haven't done loads of it in my life like solo piano, but because I've got this record coming out, 
I've been getting a few of those, much more than I would normally do. Like I've got a couple more coming up this year and then some in the new year. And so it's kind of making me really think about it more. Because before it was so rare that I would just do a solo piano concert that I kind of was able to just kind of, I had enough ideas and I had enough going on that like, oh, this is great and I just will do that and that's fine. But when you're like doing it kind of regularly, yeah, you have to sort of, <laughs> there's sort of two things I've noticed, which is like you sort of have to mentally prepare more than like, okay, I'm doing this and I have to like really get into a state where I'm like, okay, ready to perform this because I've already played a lot of ideas that I've thought of, so I've run out. Not run out, but there's not this like glut of ideas to just play. Yeah. It's like I have to kind of temper it and like work on coming up with ideas in the moment almost. Yeah, like practice okay. being in the state where you can be inspired. And also I've kind of realized there's this like other level, or there's these other levels you can get to with it. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, you could really like work on that and get to that point. Yeah. Can, can we get a more tangible example of yeah, that other level that yeah. you're talking about? Oh, God. There's various, like, layers you're thinking of. The way that I work, there's various layers where you're thinking of. So there's, like, the in the moment, what sound is inspiring me? Let's play this sound. There's the, like, next level of structure where it's like, okay, uh, what is this particular improvisation about? What's the overall arc of it? Like, where have I come from? Where am I going to? What's the thing it's developing? What's the mode it's in? And then there's like this other level that I've kind of started to think about, which is like, how can you construct like a whole set? So how can you think over like an hour mm. and be like, what, where have I come from? What am I going to? What what does the energy need now? And that's kind of the level that I'm like, wow, okay, how do you... And it's the thing you can only practice by just doing it. I okay, don't think you yeah. can do that in a yeah. room on your own. It's like, how do you like construct that? So you can hear how people who are really great at, you know, Keith Jarrett, this guy Craig Table, who's like a really amazing at that. You can hear how like, oh, okay, that's how they can construct such powerful arcs of like an hour and yeah. keep everyone really engaged because they've done it so much yeah. so I can start to see that oh that's how you could get there it's cool it's like inspiring doing yeah. a lot. <laughs> so you're still working towards that oh yeah always and I'm sure if you get there they're still like oh wow there's this whole other like with level everything four. in music level 4 super saiyan <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. Um, I think I do think of it a little bit like I think Dragon Ball Z did have a big effect on me <laughs> in terms okay. of how I think about like life <laughs> weirdly please, enough please say more get to the next level <laughs> maybe do you know what I mean like in terms yeah. of playing I think yeah. I yeah, yeah, I really well, thought game, about that. It? It's a game, yeah. <laughs> I just want to get a Super Saiyan. Um, but yeah, what was after Super Saiyan? Was that like the end? I'm going to be honest here. Yeah. I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z. Did you not watch it? it wasn't. Oh man, it was great. I was well into it. Was it on Sky? Maybe. We didn't have Sky. Even... <laughs> not when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Just played with the girls. Yeah, we had, yeah. had a stick and a hoop and that were all. Um that whole thing of like getting like you get really good at fighting and then there's yeah. this other level you get to that level and then you're even better yeah. at fighting but like that with music <laughs> yeah <laughs> weirdly um, no. yeah but yeah back to the original point what I'm thinking of when I'm playing solo piano when it's the best I'm not thinking at all I'm just like in the moment and mm. just responding to the sounds that are being made by me and when I'm like having to slightly work a little bit at it yeah I'm thinking of various levels I'm thinking okay what needs to happen Next, what is this all about? Like, the, the best way of thinking about it, there's this playwright called Harold Pinter, and he talked about the way he writes a play. It's like he'll get, like, an instant spark of inspiration where he's like, uh, okay, the colour black. And he'll be like, okay. So he's writing a play, and he immediately he's like, okay, colour black. What is the colour black? Is that the colour of a door? Okay, yeah, it's the colour of a door. And what's the door? Is there someone on the other side of the door? Are they coming through the door? Okay, there's so someone knocking at a door, and there's no one in. Okay, and it's the colour black. It's, like, dark in the house as well. And, and then the play kind of evolves from there. And I think that's kind of how I think about improvising solo, where it's like, 
I'll just start making sounds. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I've played this chord, for example. What is this chord about? Is the piece about lots of different chords or is the piece about this harmony or is the piece about this kind of texture? Okay, the piece is about this kind of texture. So I'm going to start playing this texture and then maybe it's going to evolve and become thinner. Okay, so the overall arc of the whole piece is about getting thinner. And then as I have this kind of like... Um, shape of, of, of what the piece is about then that can take away like my conscious decision making of like that aspect and mm. I can then like sort of just almost like distract my brain so that like subconsciously I can then do these kind of like uh, finer details within that overall arc if that makes any kind of sense yeah yeah that's cool. massively interesting and I think just for clarity <laughs> yes it's improvised every yeah. time you 100% step onto that stage yeah and I really try and make it like totally fresh I mean obviously you can't make it totally fresh every time there's always going to be something that comes through that you've learned but mm. I really do try and do something new every time and get to a place where like because that's what I enjoy like I enjoy improvising I prefer to purely improvise something and it not be like as accomplished in inverted commas than do something really slick and glossy and perfect that I'd played loads of times before and feel really comfortable with This is from another fully improvised album, a duo with the London-based saxophonist Binker Golding. We'll listen to us and then you'll hear more about it from Elliot. This is called, and I'm going to try my best here because I'm not so hot on my Latin, Aeternum Vale. concert the other night and we did a couple of pieces where it felt like we were getting to that level where it's like we could together make the decision like start playing something and be like what is this piece about and it feels really nice when that happens mm. so like there's a thing we just started this really long repetitive loop and I was doing these kind of chords and it was like oh this is what this piece is about and then I started getting quieter and he got louder and I was like okay maybe the shape is like that and then he gets quieter and I get louder. Let's see what happens if I start getting louder. Is he thinking the same as me? And then like mm -hmm. he did the same. It's like, oh yeah. great we're like we're together on this yeah. unspoken connection with another person. Yeah. It feels really nice. There's many satisfying things in music, but that's yeah. probably one of the most satisfying Totally, things. yeah. And I think it comes across to an audience as well, and the audience are like, oh, wow, they're like mm -hmm. doing that. And it's like a whole group, like unique, deep experience, human thing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you have an album out called X 
Nihilo, I think. I don't know. But then I don't know that anyone, because it's Latin, right? No one knows yeah. how, how like, they pronounced Latin. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> a <true>. guess. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Fry. Yeah, Stephen Mayer, liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that means um, from nothing. Right? From nothing. From yeah. nothing. So is, is it a purely improvised album? Yeah, basically. Hit go. Yeah, hit go. So that, that was a funny story, that, that record, because it's like, I kind of didn't really know Binker that well. Like, we knew each other because we were both jazz musicians in London maybe we hadn't ever even really met uh, I, I just basically got this email from Binker being like uh, do you want to guest with me and Moses because you know they've got that duo Binker and Moses yeah. at the Cambridge Jazz Festival and I was like yeah that'll be a laugh why not because that's like a sort of freely improvised duo and they do lots of stuff and like, they get guests in and stuff I did the gig and it came together really nicely and then like a few months later Binker got in touch again and he was like so this guy called Stephen is like setting up this label and he asked me if I want to do a thing on it and um, I thought it might be cool to do a Joe. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And then he sent me this email being like, yeah, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be about, you know, 500 to 750 quid each. I was like, oh man, you know, I don't have much money. I mean, it'd be cool to do, but I'm not sure. He's like, no, 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 we're being paid. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, when do you yeah. get to be paid to do a, these days? Um, so yeah, we like, basically, yeah. so we just got together and everything was kind of paid for uh, and we got paid to make this record which is like a free up really so we didn't yeah. don't think we even, we had one rehearsal beforehand yeah. which wasn't even really a rehearsal we played like one tune and then like went for a coffee so okay. we did the recording session in the Vortex just rented the room out okay. and it was really nice it came together just really weirdly easily and Bink had the idea of calling it Ex Nihilo and then calling every single track after like a Latin name yeah <laughs> um and then also although i probably shouldn't give this away but it's probably fine he had the idea of also like telling interviewers that we're both fluent in latin <laughs> and sanskrit and that's why that's why we call it that um and he said that in a couple of interviews it's great and uh but i i don't i don't have that i'd love to have the balls to do that but um he's really good at that but and some guy came up to me in germany uh, when i was playing there with my trio and he's like it's like oh i've got this record that uh, you and Pinker did uh, so you're you're fluent in latin i teach latin at the university <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad you said that, because part of me was like, yeah, I can go along with this. Yeah. And then he would have just started speaking Latin, and I'd be like, mm, uh, nihilo. Talk about the trio. The trio. Uh, the latest album, yes. Modern Times. Modern Times. So what's that about then? What's that about? What are you doing there? Well, originally I was going to call it Modern Music, but there's a Brad Moldau album, who's another, who's another famous, who is a famous <laughs> jazz piano player, and he just did an, an album called Modern Music, so it's like, oh, I can't really call it that. Um, 
because originally the reason I was going to call it modern music is because modern means here we go, like being all snooty, clever man. Uh, modern is like right now. So because the way we recorded the record was like direct to vinyl, it felt like, oh, that's cool. Modern music, like right now, modern music. So, but then that didn't work. So we're like, okay, I'll call it modern times because it kind of relates to time. And, and there's like loads of other layers, there's like a Charlie Chaplin thing about film like that, which is kind of sort of influenced by stuff. But basically the record... Um, there's a guy called Jorg, who I kind of met through various music world stuff. And he's put together this um, uh, studio called Artone Records, which is like above the, the largest vinyl printing factory in Europe, in Harlem, in the Netherlands. And now he's just started his own label actually called Night Dreamer, which is putting out some cool stuff. Uh, the studio is kind of amazing. He's got loads of like analog gear and it has the option there to record direct to vinyl. So when you record direct to vinyl, it's literally like you play a note on the piano and it goes through to the control room and there's like a machine, it's a cutting lathe there that literally just cuts that into into lacquer, into into a vinyl that you can then print from. So there's no mixing, there's no mastering. It's just yeah. like, and there was this like absolute genius recording engineer who mastered Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller <laughs> there. Um <laughs> Who was like just on the on the the mixing desk, like riding it while we were playing? Because the thing is, when you record direct to vinyl, because there's no mixing, mastering, mm. you can't set levels. If you play really really quietly, like it's not going to cut it into the actual vinyl. Mm. And if you play really really loud, it's going to cut too deep, which will cause a skip um, when you're playing it back. So he has to kind of like follow roughly what I we're doing. Know. Yeah, yeah. So he had like a really tough task. Yeah. Um, so shout shout out to him. Yeah. Um, definitely. Did that did that go well though? I, mean, I, did. I didn't hear yeah. any weird jumps. I know. He's basically a genius, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, just insane to the extent that, like, we turned up. I didn't even really notice him setting up the mics, but he just did it, and the sound was perfect immediately, and then we just did the take. So he's like a sort of wizard. (laughs) It's kind of an amazing wizard man. Um, But, yeah, so there's, like, no room for mistakes or anything because it's, like, they can't stop the cutting lathe in between tracks. So you Mm -hmm. do a track, and it just keeps going. All you can do is, like do this special button that like creates the sort of shiny thing in between track right. you know that thing in between when you listen to a vinyl there's like shiny strips where you can see where the, the tracks are divided so we did about five tracks aside so we'd like play the piece and then as soon as we finished I'd put my hand up and he'd press this button that would then put the shiny strip and then I'd st- and we'd have to wait five seconds otherwise it wouldn't cut properly into it after this thing and then start the next the next piece straight to vinyl <clears throat> an album called Modern Times is a contradiction in itself. Exactly, that's kind of it, yeah. I think, as well. I was like, lol, that we're doing like the most traditional way, which yeah. is because I didn't realise until I did this that recording to tape is a Nazi way of making music. What? Yeah, so that was... <laughs> Where did <laughs> yeah. you get that information yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you do it, um, if you do record direct to tape, you're a Nazi. Um, uh, no, 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 it's because that's uh, that was an innovation that the Nazis came up with in the Second World War to transport messages to the front. Fascinating. Yeah, recording to tape because before that it was all just to vinyl, like direct. That was the only way you could record. So you'd have to record right. to phonograph, and then they'd have to transport this very fragile thing to the front, and then it's like, oh shit, we dropped it on the way, and it's broken, really? so we can't hear. Yeah. So, so they had to record to like to recording to tape. They were like, wow, this is so much more durable and much lighter, and we can tape yeah. loads of stuff. So it's like a it's the Nazis. So, so magnetic <laughs> tape was invented by the Nazis. By the Nazis. Oh, I don't know that yeah. that, that actual thing was invented, <laughs> but using that to record yeah. sounds. Yeah. As a, as a form of sounds. Just, yeah. Oh, that's a really good fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are full of facts. I'm full of facts. Although I'm sure some podcast listener is going to be like, oh, actually, you know, yeah. just want to hear us a bit before. Yeah, yeah. Just be my mom. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was so proud. 
This is Cat and Mouse from Modern Times, and I'll take this opportunity to introduce the band members from Elliot's Trio. On bass and sometimes guitar, it's Tom McCready, and on drums, Corey Dick. felt really nice to make music like that actually because it's like there's no room to it was weirdly easier because it's like there's no room to like second guess yourself and be like oh, was that the best take yeah because it's like that's the one because yeah. we're not going to be able to do five pieces no in a option. row as good as that again yeah if you've got recorded music you can mm. tinker forever and it never ends like oh, the pieces, pieces never finished yeah. so yeah. you have that parameter yeah. where it's like I have to accept this I mean but I do kind of love the other side of it as well just to but I love yeah. the kind of like tinkering I think the next thing I'm going to yeah. do is going to be really like well I'm starting a secret band and that's definitely very produced but I'm not going to say any more than that <laughs> fine because I don't want it to be in any way related to anything else oh. I do because oh. it's a very different vibe but that's going to be super like produced has that started at all yeah started yeah yeah alright fine we've done a gig you've done a gig we've done a gig you wouldn't have known I didn't talk about it well, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got a name. I won't tell you what it yeah. is. Okay. All right, but we're recording um, next year. Okay. Recording album. All right. Yeah. Booked in. All done. Secret. <laughs> I'm trying to pour into your soul. Yeah. No, that's, that's it. That's all it. I'm going to say. Not going to say what genre it is or what instruments I'm playing. Fine, fuck you. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the podcast is cancelled. Very good. Um, the previous album, mm. Influencing Machine. Yeah. That was a bit more tinkery. Mm, that was, was the most tinkery I was, did. So I was listening to... Oh God, it's, it's escaped me now. No. Mind, um, mind, monster mind, monster mind. That's it. That one is amazing. Oh, thanks. A real good example of only that one. Yeah. Um, it's a good example of like this, the kind of schizophrenia of the whole thing. Yeah. And the dynamic shifts and twists and turns. Yeah. A, a lot of moments, it would yeah. just suddenly build by build and then cut, and yeah. I'd think, oh, someone's calling me. Okay. That's why it's just oh, suddenly great. cut off. And no, it's just, just yeah. the track. So yeah, all of those things are just can't quite get comfortable yeah, listening to totally. it which is really great for example a cymbal will ring out mm. and you'll want that to ring out and sound natural but yeah. were you doing interesting edits where yeah. you would cut the ends of resonances and this yeah, kind of thing yeah. just to really like 
um, accent those yeah, certain certainly. shifts. Yeah, for sure. Because like we kind of did a lot of that that track. I think if I remember correctly, we did a lot of it just like live, but we kind of made it sound more like it was cut after doing it live. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the edit. So I do quite a lot. The, there's this guy I use who I'm also using on my secret album, but who I do a lot of. <laughs> well, that'll be a little tantalising. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's this guy who's called Sonny, who's like a good friend actually now, uh, who like I've recorded a lot with, worked a lot with, and he's, yeah, he's really great and does a lot of really creative editing stuff. So we mixed that together and recorded that together, and he's like really interesting in the way he deals with sound and stuff. You know, he's up for being experimental with that. So that was the, quite influenced by, that particular one was quite influenced by Kanye West. But Was uh, it? Not that you would be able to hear that <laughs> in it at all, but we were all I'll checking out this challenge the in Life of Pablo, this oh, album yeah. of his, and he, he does a lot of like, I mean, he's someone who's somehow managed to make it pop but loads of it if you actually were to listen to it you're like wow that's really wrong what he's doing there. Uh, yeah because if you look at his music videos they're mental like yeah. that thing there's that one well the track that it was most influenced by that the monster mind yeah. fade and kind of why it was an influence because that whole record's like about a concept album i guess where it's kind of about like the first documented case of of someone who had paranoid schizophrenia where they believed that their mind was being influenced by a machine so it's that first idea of like a machine coming into the like shared subconscious of a society which i think is quite you know pertinent for today mm, yeah. um but yeah so that track like the video of that track is like kind of starts like a sort of rip off of a 1980s uh, sort of pop video where it's like a woman in like tight fitting lycra doing loads of gym exercise <laughs> dancing uh even like the, the the cinematography of it's really like that and then about three quarters of the way through it just cuts suddenly and it's like a hardcore graphic sex scene between her and this other guy who hasn't appeared before and you're like oh my god that's so weird and then and then right before the end it cuts back again to the the gym and it's like both of them again but made up like cats like with their faces like like been like sort of morphed into looking like a cat like surrounded by sheep in this gym but only for like 10 seconds and then mm-hmm. it's over yeah <laughs> so i think he knows yeah. what he's doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see that influence. Yeah, or Definitely. anyone else who anyone who comes up with the with the the lyrics, "I am a god, bring me my damn croissant." <laughs> Definitely knows what they're doing. I think. So this is Monster Mind from two albums back. Look out for those interesting edits.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. had any real light bulb moments yeah actually I just, I just had to do this interview thing where someone was like what's the most defining moment of your career like a real you know change in path of your career and I don't think in terms of like career and like the trajectory of things in that way I don't think everything sort of seems to sort of you know, randomly yeah. <laughs> wander through the fog of life yeah. um, but in terms of like the kind of music I make reading to, to put my pretentious hat back on mm. reading Ulysses by James Joyce was like a really massive like whoa this is possible moment have you ever read that I haven't it's great like it's one of those this is a good thing it's one of those things where it's like it's one of those like monoliths of modern literature where people are like it's so complex you'll never get it and so many layers of meaning going on so many different things but I just read it almost at face value and just loved it because rather than it's that thing like I was saying with music it's like rather than having to experience it like I have to understand this and know uh-huh. what's happening I definitely didn't understand any of it or know even kind of what was happening yeah. but just every, the, kind of the way it sounded when you said it aloud and just the way it kind of felt to read it was kind of amazing and the whole way it works so there's loads of these like 
There's so many layers. I think each sentence can be interpreted in like hundreds of different ways. And there can be, there's like, you know, okay, it's kind of a, a, this sentence is a subtle reference to this. And like, for example, like the whole book is basically about this one character's journey through Dublin. That's it. It's just him on a day in Dublin walking okay. around, really. But at the same time as that, there's all these other layers going on. So there's each section has like a different sub theme going on. So there's a bit where he goes into the library. And in the library section, it almost then becomes like a comment on uh shakespeare's uh who's the guy who like dad his dad dies and he's like shit uh, that's rubbish and then there's a ghost that comes along which oh. is the ghost of his dad you, you can see i didn't really understand yeah. the, the, the literature <laughs> what's the ghost one the ghost story shakespeare one which one are you ghostbusters yeah uh, uh <laughs> you know ghost this is this is the you know shakespeare's uh famous play <laughs> Ghostbusters, but the new Ghostbusters with all, the, the whole female cast. That's the Shakespeare one. Um, uh, what's the guy? I'm going to say this because it's important to the thing. Um, what Buckles would do at this point is Google it. Google it. I'm going to Google it. That's it. I could even ask Google. Hang on. Okay, Google. Which Shakespeare? Wait, should we race play? it? See if Google or you're or ruining Siri. my. Uh... <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Let's race. Okay, hey, Google. Siri. Which, Which Shakespeare, Shakespeare play, play includes the a ghost of a father dying and turning into a ghost? Okay, I found this on the Hamlet. Which yes. Play includes a ghost of a father Apparently, it's Richard the third. Yes, <laughs> I win. Siri wins. Well done, Siri Apple. Uh, so Hamlet, back to the thing. It's never happened. Okay, so in Ulysses. This one bit, he goes into a library, and it's kind of the whole of that little chapter is kind of like a comment on Hamlet. Like, suddenly the character kind of becomes like Hamlet, and there's, like, a sub-reference to that. And then there's, like, a broader reference about, like, how Hamlet is, like, amazing because it's a play within a play within a play, which I didn't even realise because the play within the play for Hamlet is, like... So there's the character whose dad dies, and then his uncle marries his mom. But he realises that is actually his uncle killed his dad to marry his mom. So he does a play within the play where a character kills someone to, like, marry their wife, like, kills the king to to marry the wife to become king, in front of the king in the play to, like, expose him. What is that? Me thinks that the play is the thing to bring out the truth of the king or something like that, I can't remember. But, which I didn't realise, there's another level to that, which is when Shakespeare wrote that, it was premiered in front of the real king of England, who the real rumour was that he really did kill someone to become the king. So he's doing a play within a play in front of a king that's a comment on the king. So it's like literally so many layers. That's so subversive. It's so subversive. Like so, like it's postmodernism before postmodernism. So in this Ulysses, there's kind of, it's basically a reference to that. And then on the same time, it's like a talk about, it's kind of a comment on James Joyce himself talking about how amazing Shakespeare is and how he can never be as good as Shakespeare and all this kind of crazy stuff. And that's just like in a chapter. But you can read it at so many levels. You could read it just like him having a wander around the library, him commenting on Hamlet or him commenting on Hamlet and then through that comment talking about how he couldn't, how, you know, he holds Shakespeare to this like insane level that he can't ever get to and all this kind of stuff. And there's so many layers. And then that's just over a chapter, but each sentence has all these things going on. But the big influence on me was like the fact you could, do that you could have all these kind of references and layers and comments on things and use that as just a way of constructing a narrative or constructing a a piece of art or a piece of music in the kind of case of the type of stuff I make but it not being necessarily important that you can understand what those layers are just Mm -hmm. those layers being a means of creating a, a cohesive whole so you can have all these kind of like disparate elements these unrelated elements coming together and having an internal logic 
And just the very fact that you, as the composer of it, understand the logic, making them make sense, even if the people listening to it have no idea what that logic is yeah. and they don't need to have an idea, but yeah. it's just having that. And then I've literally used that as a way of making almost all the music I've made since reading it. Yeah, <laughs> basically. There's so many references and things mm. in the titles of your tracks, and mm. it's instrumental music, so when you embark on a new piece of music, you've yeah. already absorbed some sort of information as a kind of, a, like, a logical starting yeah, point. Yeah, like, like a holding yeah. form for the whole thing. thing. Totally, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, the same with Ulysses, like, because the, the great thing about that, there's so many layers that even the way he constructed it, there's, like, the, the form decision of, like, having you go wander around Dublin, so there's loads of different locations he gets to in a day. At the same time, each chapter has a relation to, like, part of the body. It also relates to different colours, I think. And so all of those things are, like, boundaries within which he has to write <laughs> his, you know, novel... And that's just the same thing with the music. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll decide, like, okay, this piece is about, um, like, your monster mind, the bit you were yeah. talking about earlier. So the overall form is a whole album is about this guy who was around um, and was the first, you know, paranoid schizophrenic to believe he was influenced by a machine. So there we are. That's a little thing. Okay, what relates to machines? Okay, modern hacking and things like that. So that one, it's called Monster Mind because in the Snowden files, whatever, mm. it, was, it was released that there was the government, the American government created this thing where they could create these kind of, like, algorithmic bots that would just like latch onto certain countries without them even realizing it and then just lie there dormant and then you would press a button and they would like destroy the whole infrastructure of that entire country without them realizing but the terrifying thing about this particular program which they called they called monster mind which yeah. in itself is mental they name loaded <laughs> them after like radio head tracks and it's kind of amazing yeah, yeah yeah yeah. there's like it's kind of insane like the the names they call them and the most revealing aspect they're like kind of funny names you're like this is potentially could kill millions of people and you're just like anyway wow it's like an insight into how they think i guess um but yeah so but the terrifying thing about this is you don't even need to trigger it it decides when it should be triggered because it looks at all these different things and then when certain things fall into line it'd be like okay this is the time to wipe out all of iran's infrastructure and turn off all the electricity like it just decides to do that so then it's like okay let's do that how do you make a piece of music that's about something monitoring something so i was like okay i'll do it like a canon because something following something else so the whole piece is kind of like a canon and then i was like oh there's all these kind of other references to it and like oh it's this point in the thing so it's relating to all these and then each other each of the track is also related to a different aspect of how the matthew what his name now anyway the guy who the whole thing's about mm. um Tilly. Tilly. Tilly james tilly matthews yes yeah. nice man <laughs> well researched um <laughs> he had loads of different theories about how the machine was influencing him and this also relates to one of his theories about how the machine was influencing him which also relates to some other element of how I'm deciding to affect the music and there's all these layers going on yeah. just to make this piece of music and there's some reason why it related to Kanye West which is why I use that as an influence yeah. but at no point do I explain this it's not in the line of notes it's not whatever because it's not important no. that people understand these things but if they wanted to look into it all these things exist yeah and there's yeah. no way that someone listening to that piece of music no. could infer that information. <laughs> no, 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 no. So as you say, it's about the composer. And, and mm. in many ways, that concept, mm. you've built almost like a thesis of the piece, the yeah. structure, there's all yeah. of these, like, or maybe like a, a, a mind map thing. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And the piece kind of has written itself. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, you're just following a narrative that yeah. is not necessarily musical, the structure's... Totally, it's already done for you. And there's loads of things that no one would ever get. Like there's like that piece particularly is like contains references to another piece that I wrote earlier. And the reason it has references to stuff I've already written is to do with something to do with like uh, the relationship between, you know, all this other stuff. So this is <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, like, it's silly really. A, but yeah. Like a proper water type bit of conceptual music. Yeah, I've got like a whole yeah. thing with it. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's reading reading James Joyce like yeah. changed changed the game for yeah. me with that. 
So Elliot just spoke a bit more about the thinking behind Monster Mind, but you've already heard that, so this is its neighbouring track on the Influencing Machine album, Planet Ping Pong, which also has a really brilliant music video, Elliot goofing around, definitely worth checking out, it's neatly put together and quite funny. Sorry, man. What else do you want to say? You just, uh, you know. I just talk too much. You just yeah, talk a lot, it. man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's but all about me. We've got, we got <laughs> yeah. other jobs to do today. Yeah, let's um, do it. I'm for it. Well, comedy, the fact oh, that yeah. your music is funny. Um, <laughs> laugh out loud, funny. Thanks. I do. I, when I watch, when I watch you play live, yeah. I, like I, I'm mostly laughing. laughing. Yeah, um, but that's. I mean, that's another thing. I was like super inside. We're not. We're not doing. We can't questions. do it. We can't. We can't do it. it. Sorry, listeners. There's lots of interesting stuff I yeah. have to say on those topics, but Ben hasn't structured it enough, so we can't. <laughs> no, I've, no uh, I failed. I'm not Lauren <laughs> Devan. You're not Lauren Devan. But very funny. Um, there were some other things and stuff that isn't on yeah, here man, as well. Fine. I think. I think I've. I've Smashed on about enough stuff before bunch, people to yeah, death. I mean, one thing I actually I did kind of want. okay. Go on, say it. Well, so you're a very accomplished musician, like technically. Thank you. Very oh, like I don't know. Yeah, you're very in control. You can realise an idea that's in your head okay. because you have the technique available. But sure. there's like the balance between technique and creativity. Yeah. Like, do you still practice? Like, I oh yeah, I definitely um need to practice. Yeah. Uh, well, funny you should say that thing about like realising what you. I remember. I remember when I was really young. So I had the I, like I started learning piano. I was about seven, six, seven years old. When I was about ten or something, my piano teacher introduced me to the idea of what improvising was. I'd been making stuff up on the piano loads already, and he was like, "He showed me this thing, and he was like, oh, this bit you can improvise.'" And I was like, "What?" Uh, and he was like, "So here's an F major chord. And just use the notes of that chord to play with." So I was like playing with the notes, and I remember having a little. Here's an epiphany moment. Actually, uh. I remember having an epiphany, being like, "Oh, I guess." the end goal of this would be able to play any sound you hear in your head. 
<laughs> that yeah. would be what you would want to achieve eventually with improvisation. And then you'd have kind of hit it, you'd have mastered it, and go through the various Dragon Ball Z <laughs> Super Saiyan <laughs> stages to reach that. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's always been something that, from like a really young age, I was like, that's what I want to achieve in my, in my piano. Yeah. And I gave up for a year as well. I like gave up for like, I, the first, my first piano teacher was quite strict and I sort of gave up for a year. I thought it was rubbish and wanted to become a famous actor and then that didn't work out. So <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll do jazz. Uh, and then, um, but yeah, I've always kind of had that. So that's always been how I've worked. I've always been like, this is what I want to achieve sonically. How do I get there? And then that, so it's technique has always been there for me to serve what I want to create musically. It's yeah. never come first. Yeah. So um, sometimes as well, it's not necessarily things you hear, it's like things you can theorise. Like I quite, when I'm doing enough practice, because I don't get much time nowadays to do much practice, but when I'm doing enough, I get, and I, uh, it'll be like, um, I'll, I'll set myself like an impossible goal <laughs> almost to be like, okay, I want to be able to do five over seven. I think that that would be cool as a sound. And then I'll just like try and do that for ages practice-wise. Yeah. And quite often with those things, you do it and then there was, some, there was some rhythmic thing I was doing a while ago, which is quite complex, but when you actually achieve it, it's like, it just sounds like I'm gradually speeding up. Uh, so yeah. I don't actually need that because the sonic effect is, you know, there's no, there's no difference between that yeah. to the ear than just gradually speeding up. So I won't bother mm. going any mm. deeper with yeah. that. So I think... I've always tried to have that idea in my mind of like the bit of my mind that's like the theoretical trying to get good at this thing and then the bit that's like monitoring it going like what's the actual effect uh-huh, yeah. so it's always the effect trying to come first if that answers the question yeah no that's really good good answer thank you well done <laughs> ten out of ten <laughs> that's yeah. great I've really rehearsed the answer I practiced that I was like what what would yeah. be the answer <laughs> that I want to give and then how would I technically achieve? oh you mastered it whoa yeah. look at that yeah. it's a comment on the comment <laughs> more postmodernism getting in here it's guys such yeah. a cunt I really am I really really am <laughs> Merry Christmas. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Sorry about the sea bomb. Hope that didn't hurt anyone's ears. Thanks, Elliot, for being Elliot, coming along, being quite tangenty, which I loved, and inspiring at the same time. I think his mum made the right move getting him onto dissonant music from a very young age. Thanks very much for listening. Do check out more of Elliot's music. There's tons of stuff that didn't have time to squeeze into this. I will put together a little Spotify playlist on the Excuse the Mess Spotify account so you can listen more. I'll select some favourites. There just wasn't the time to get everything into this episode. There's the music-making part of Elliot's appearance on this podcast. Elliot brought along his toy piano, our weapon of choice for making a brand new piece of music together on the day. You'll see it on your podcast app right now if you have a little look. Get yourself a copy of Elliot's solo piano album that's out in January. I've had a listen to the whole thing. It's very good. You can follow him at Elliot Galvin on Instagram and Twitter and visit his website, elliotgalvin.com. If you don't already, follow Excuse the Mess at ETMPod on Twitter and ETMPodcast on Instagram. Uh, Visit the website if you want to see some pictures from the day, Elliot eating crisps and that sort of thing. I think that's everything. The track to play us out is Red and Yellow from the Influencing Machine album. Have a great Christmas. I said this was a Christmas podcast, but it's, um, it's probably the least festive thing you've ever heard. Wherever you are, have a nice time and make the most of a little break. I'll be back soon with the next guest on the podcast, Olive Lenz. Have a great one.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.